0: Here's the top 10 things that you need to know if you're gonna run an Airbnb business in 2020. Number one, you're going to see some big changes from Airbnb because they're going for an initial public offering this year, that's their goal. Now, what this means is there's a bunch of people who have invested a lot of money into Airbnb and they want their money back, right? So Airbnb is looking to sell publicly in order for all of us to buy shares if we want to and that way the initial investors can get their money and their profits back. Um, this is called a liquidity event in venture capital. And so this allows people to exit. Now Airbnb owes those people who've invested them a lot of money a return on their investment. So this is how they plan on getting their money back to them. But in order to get a good IPO valuation in order to sell at the highest number possible, they need to shore up a lot of where they're behind and so they've been taking the side of guests more and they've been really hard on hosts lately and they've been adding new departments Um, for example i have a business rep now at airbnb they've created this new role so the larger you get the more likely you are to have a direct line of contact at airbnb that'll wait on you hand and foot to make sure that you grow and you succeed because a disproportionate amount or an unnaturally large amount of airbnb's money is coming from businesses like mine that have multiple properties so Airbnb is planning, because of this IPO, to invest more in businesses that are like mine because it allows them to get more money with less work. By the way, like and subscribe to this video. Um, like first out of anything, leave a comment too if you like the video. Comments really help. And then subscribe for more content. Number two, Airbnb is actually investing in businesses like mine. And this is arguably largely because of their IPO push too. see what they're doing is they're investing in multiple businesses that have a rental arbitrage or have properties because this allows them kind of like a deeper connection to the customer and more insights to the customer. And this allows them on paper to look stronger because As the industry grows, they get to capitalize on some of that growth themselves. So they're really doubling down on the industry. Maybe they're just doing this on paper in order to make people think Um, that they believe in the industry still and make them look better for their IPO. Maybe otherwise they're doing this for real reasons. And I believe that one of them is synergy, which is getting like extra magical value because you're in two places at once in the industry. So Airbnb has put money into competitors. And what this might mean for you is you're going to see that some of the best in this industry are going to get bigger and better. Right. So I have about 100 properties on Airbnb and the biggest players in the game have thousands. Sonder is worth over a billion. They're a company that does rental arbitrage. They have almost 4000 doors. Lyric was invested into by Airbnb and Zeus was invested into by Airbnb. And they're rapidly growing, too. There's other companies like Stay Alfred and Domeo, There's tons. And so we're in a unique environment in the Airbnb space. You're not just a host anymore, right? This is not an early phase deal anymore. Officially in 2020, you have institutional companies that are swinging the bat now. Everything is changing. Next, Airbnb is tightening up a lot of policies because of the last two things we've just discussed. And this is affecting your host guarantee resolution situation. And I've experienced this directly, so let me tell you exactly what is going on. Normally, i could write a message to a guest if they broke something the day that they checked out i could just show a photo like hey here's the damaged chair and then i'd tell the guest you know hey you know thank you for staying you know sorry to hear about this this chair being broken we'll keep in touch about you know whether or not we need to replace it and i like to do that so that way they don't leave me a bad review for being like rah rah. give me a 100 bucks for the chair like if i do that immediately after checkout they'll write me a bad review because they're mad that they owe me money then it becomes a contentious relationship so i like to do my resolutions two weeks after someone checks out to protect myself from from this situation. Well, for the very first time ever, about three weeks ago, Airbnb did not honor that because even though I sent photos on Airbnb on their platform timestamped proving that the damage happened during this guest reservation, I did not escalate or open up something with Airbnb in order to you know, ensure that they knew that this was something that was caused by the guest. So they did not honor their host guarantee to me because I didn't follow exact protocol where they've never been this strict before. So, what I'm doing now, and what you can do now too, is send the message to the guest so you have it time stamped. Then call Airbnb and open up a ticket. Be like, hey, I am going to file a resolution with this guest, but because this guest has. It's still the opportunity to review me and I don't want to be reviewed adversely. I would just like to open up a ticket with you. I want to put it on record with Airbnb right now that we had this conversation that this damage has occurred and I discovered it this day. Can you give me that ticket number and let me know what department I can reference for that ticket. So then later, two weeks later, you can open up the resolution, ask the guest for money. The guest will decline, but they can't leave you a bad review because it's too late. And when they decline, you escalate it to Airbnb. They'll like give me the proof. They'll say, oh, no, it's been two weeks. You're supposed to do this before the next guest checks in. You'll say, hey, here's the ticket number from Airbnb internal. He referenced it. I actually did call you guys the moment it happened. So and I explained because I don't want a bad review. I'm waiting the two weeks. So that's what we're doing now to bypass that. And so that way you can still get your money, but not have to deal with bad reviews Four customers. The bad customers are getting smarter. You need to change how you're running your business. So this is something brand new to me. The first time ever I've hired a security guard for a building, can you believe it? So I've got a property with 20 units. I've got 20 apartments in one building and people notice that we have self check-in. You just pick up the key inside. And when somebody goes to check-in on Airbnb or goes to book on Airbnb, they can see generally what the check-in looks like. So people are looking to throw a party are looking for lazy hosts. They're looking for self check in they're looking for easy and so one week like literally two weeks ago when we activated in Philadelphia as soon as we went fully live with this property with like 20 doors in one week we had just all the worst things happen in the world. We had um, we had drug addicts we had people throwing parties Uh, the owner of the building who represents a seven billion dollar fund was down my neck telling me that I'm a slumlord and I'm trying to ruin his business and he was furious. So in on a moment's notice what we had to do to change is we hired. An on site concierge security and change their check in information to be non self check in. I was told by that owner's like minority owner for the building, like his kind of assistant owner for the building, that Sonder, that big company, had a similar problem with Booking.com. See, people in Philadelphia were getting prepaid credit cards from like CVS and then they were booking on Booking.com with like a bad credit card, checking in and then squatting on like 20 bucks. So they found a way to gain the system and like lock up real estate and it costs Sonder a ton of money. So if you're going to be exposed at scale like myself, like, like tons and tons of property, You'll want to make sure that in key urban neighborhoods, especially that you're not um, allowing these risks to happen. And the easiest way I've noticed, the moment we flip from self check-in to meeting a member of our staff, it all just went to zero. Not a single bad guest has yet tried to check into this property because they know they have to check in with us personally, face to face. Five there's still tons of new opportunity and there's tons of new niches. I got a phone call from Airbnb from somebody representing the accessibility team and they wanted to let me know that they have a shortage of disabled friendly properties on Airbnb. See, Airbnb is becoming in, in, like, increasingly popular and people are jumping on all the obvious inventory. So like here in Philadelphia, when I first got here, Sonder and all these other companies like have a thousand properties in Center City in all of these high rises, competing directly with hotels. Of course, right? That was the obvious opportunity. What did I do? I picked up in Northern Liberties slash Fishtown, upcoming trendy you know, neighborhood and I'm crushing it. Right? I'm having a blast and these guys aren't in my backyard. So I found a niche still and I'm making a ton of money. And just the same with uh, with accessibility features or disabled friendly homes, if you have disabled friendly apartments or homes in certain cities, you have a 4 to 1 increase in views as opposed to a regular property. That's right, you will be viewed 400% more than average and have the chance for more bookings because you have that feature available. So If you want to be successful in Airbnb, stop doing the obvious stuff and start looking for niche opportunities within the bigger space because Airbnb is no longer a niche itself. It is now the main player and it has created its own niches. Six, we have released a pricing strategy course. It's our first of any product that we've ever decided to offer to the public and the reason why you need to know about this is because your pricing strategy drives consumer behavior. I'll say it again, pricing strategy drives consumer behavior. And why does this matter to you? And what does this actually mean? If you want to get certain types of bookings, like monthly stays or weekly stays, or you want to have a, like a themed property or special events property where you make a lot of money, like a certain few days of the month, your whole entire pricing strategy has to be driven around getting those types of bookings. See, if you want to make a ton of money a few days a month, You're going to jack all your prices up and get bookings on those days first, and you're going to offer no incentives for long term stays, right? You want the weekends booked at $700, $800 a night. We have a property in Houston that cash flows over $100,000 a year. It's a rental. We pay $2,400 a month for it. And we're maximizing our income because we get big, big weekend bookings. And then our pricing strategy is like to pick up the slack. After that. Now a lot of our other properties are like a dice roll where we're we're trying to get monthly stays. So what we do is we try to keep that calendar open. We don't want weekend bookings. So we try to price people out on weekends so they don't book there, but somebody who comes in to book for a week or longer gets a good rate. And so what will happen is like well, 30 to 50 percent of our inventory goes monthly, and then our counter strategy is to fill up the last minute inventory. So if you are in a, like a completely saturated market, you want to look at what everybody else is doing. How are they getting full? What are they doing? What kind of guests are they catering to? And again, just like with a niche, you want to find your own way to stay full. So. I had a call with somebody who wants to invest millions of dollars into my business and he's asking me what makes me different than everybody else and who my competitors a year from now or two years from now will be and who I think my competition right now is and I told him you know what I don't think I have any competition now because Airbnb or short-term rentals hasn't hit a critical mass in supply that that any of us are actually competing with each other directly but if we have an oversaturated of a point of the oversaturation, like for example, like I say a studio in downtown Chicago. Let's say there's too many studios in downtown Chicago. Well The way that most people book, if you're catering to the majority, then you're competing with everybody trying to get the majority of the bookings. But if you realize that there's a section of people that book a certain way in Chicago and you can get a great rate for those, and nobody's really catering to that type of traveler, your pricing strategy can change to offer different types of incentives for different lengths of stays. And you can even design your home to accommodate like longer stays or shorter stays or themes or stuff like people who come in for like a socks game or something like that. Your pricing strategy will drive that consumer behavior. And so even though you didn't really change much else, you still have the same type of property as your competitors, your pricing strategy takes you out of the competition and guarantees you your own source of income. So you need to know that we have a pricing strategy course that gets super deep on exactly how to manipulate the Airbnb system to get 100% occupied any way that you wanna get occupied. You can spy on your competition, find out what they're doing and do something different. And if you're going to be successful in 2020, you can't do what everybody else is doing. I'm gonna say it again, you can't do what everybody else is doing. Seven, now is the time for themed properties. I'll say it right now. I wanted to wait and do a course on it and I probably still will do something super in-depth about this. Our first property that's themed is called the Unicorn House in Philadelphia. And it is by far outperforming rent to revenue any of our other properties in Philadelphia. It's awesome. So what happens on Airbnb is kind of interesting. It's a unique beast. Like Airbnb is it's really its own product and there's, there's not a lot that I can really say to you that's new about you know I can't do do lip service to Airbnb like oh congratulations for being so innovative but the truth is is that they really are and because people are using Airbnb and they're not brand loyal to any of us and that's one thing I, I, I'm gonna repeat again they're not brand loyal they're not coming to you every time they're not coming to somebody else every time they're not going to the Marriott Hilton Airbnb is just like a come one come all like choose your property today pick your poison our novel unicorn house there's only one of them in the city right because of that we get bookings because people are like oh i love unicorns right so unique spaces will drive booking behavior as well so being novel is better than being good right there's a lot of people who are going to travel to philly once in their life and if they come to you that one time that they travel to philly and you get that a million times over you're crushing it see your brand will matter if you're trying to retain people, but if you want to be successful and insulate yourself against competition, be unique, be novel. Do something weird in your home, and you're going to make a lot of money because people like weird, right? Especially if you're from Austin, like if you know anything about Austin, Texas, um, keep Austin weird is a thing. That actually leads me to number eight. Number eight, the state of Texas passed a huge, huge like like turnover of legislation. The Supreme Court in Texas ruled that in Austin. Um, The regulations against people putting their single family homes up on Airbnb was actually unconstitutional. So like Austin was like, if a single family home, if you own it, rent it, you can't put it on Airbnb. Well, the state state of Texas is like, well, you can't tell people what to do with their property. It's their legal right to do whatever they want to do with their property. They bought it. They own it. Now, if you're the owner and you lease to somebody. If you allow that person to Airbnb, it's the same. So the state of Texas, the city of Austin, can't stop an Airbnb person from doing Airbnb no matter what. It used to be restricted to just apartments. Tides are turning. So in the state of Texas, any like, restriction against Airbnb has now been toppled statewide because it was the Supreme Court. And you could actually probably argue this state to state to state now, it will have an effect in the rest of the country. So there is pro Airbnb legislation out there. We are winning and that's important to know. The, so this, there, this opportunity could get good in a few key cities. Nine, you need to structure your business appropriately for multiple reasons. So two, three years ago, I told you get an LLC because technically not subletting and that way you can rental arbitrage. But there's something else that you need to know here. You need to split your revenues from your bank accounts in a way. So lenders will not lend you money on Airbnb income very few will and if you own your home and you're getting Airbnb income it'll count as like weird non trace like it doesn't count like weird which is stupid but then if you don't own your property and you have Airbnb income banks want to count it as rental income and then they want to discount that because rental income isn't profitable like there's very little margin in there so it's a mess right but there is a way to handle this you can structure your entity structure, right? You can have multiple LLCs or something. Let's say you have an LLC that is a property management company, and then you have an LLC that is the renter of all your properties. So what happens is the property management company will pay the rental company. So the company that pays the rents, goes and applies for funding, stuff like that. It cannot make money from Airbnb if it wants to claim incomes, right? But then you could have it, rent you basically have your rents and your operations through that but you then have this company hire another company to do all the marketing and the management right so what happens is that marketing and management company keeps a brokerage fee this is part of a contract you write between two companies you own and that brokerage fees, it keeps 1% of all the revenue for Airbnb incomes or 1% of all the revenue. And so all the revenues come through. If it's written by a tenant, if it's given from Airbnb, booking.com, anything, all that stuff will come into one account. And then that fees payout will come from, a, from the property management company to you. And you need to not transfer it like a bank transfer. This will have to come in the form of a check or have to come in the form of something else that is actually traceable. Like, hey, yes, so my incomes, this property management company or this this marketing agency, you could even say that this marketing agency um, or this sales organization that represents my portfolio. Um, is sending me revenues from the sales that they've created. So if you can form or form this the right way, you can then basically say that that check that's coming in is now non-rent income when you want it to not be rent income. And that way you can go and get a loan against it because a lot of banks won't give you a loan against it um, because Airbnb is still so suspect them. So if you're seeking financing, you want to control your structures in a way that you don't have transfer accounts and that way you don't have like literal Airbnb money coming in. Because, for example, PayPal does like second tier financing for LLCs based on your cash flow and if they see Airbnb on it or they see a transfer account, they'll discount that money and you can't get a loan. 10. You need to get off Airbnb like not completely off Airbnb, but you need to stop being completely loyal to Airbnb. And I hate to say it because this channel is Airbnb automated and I'm gonna to continue to give you pretty much nonstop Airbnb content until like I decide to start telling you about booking.com, HomeAway, Direct Bookings. Um, we still get the vast, vast majority of our bookings from Airbnb. We like how streamlined it is. We've built our 100 properties on Airbnb. We got our first booking.com reservation like three days ago. We got our first review on booking.com today. Right. So we are diversifying ourselves. It is possible to build your business on Airbnb and scale because it's simple but you still wanna plan for the future and diversify. Um, Be careful, like I told you the lesson about Sonder, um, people can scam you on booking.com. You have way less protections on other platforms. Airbnb has way more control over the guest experience, but they also guarantee you more things too. So be careful with the smaller platforms, but strategically branch out and start to diversify your portfolio and get on booking.com, get your own website. Um, That way you can have like your own local SEO presence and like be showing like on different maps when people are searching for hotels nearby. Start to plan for that. You wanna be more robust. And there are things that you wanna set up. You'll wanna have like uh, insurances that protect you against loss of income. Um, You wanna have short term rental insurances. There's companies like Proper and Safely and Slice and there's all, we'll do another video for those as well on this channel. By the way, like and subscribe to this video. Um, like first out of anything, leave a comment too if you like the video, comments really help. And then subscribe for more content. So um, diversify, there's a lot on this channel we've already talked about and diversification will be something we're talking a lot about in 2020. Thank you for watching Airbnb Automated. Stay awesome and I'll see you on the other side. Hi.